Hey guys, on this episode of the Born or Made podcast, I get to sit down with a good friend of mine, Patrick Janelle, also known as a guy named Patrick. Uh, Patrick is probably just about the first Instagram rock star, social media influencer uh, of all time. Uh, He is an incredible guy. He has incredible stories and amazing insight on how you can potentially build your personal brand on social media. Check it out. This one is a good one. Ladies and gents, this podcast is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is the bomb. It is my go-to supplement. It is a green powdered superfood supplement that you simply mix with water or water and nut milk. That's how I like to do it. Shake it up and drink it down. It's that simple and it tastes really, really good. It is the first thing that I put into my body every single morning. I've been doing that for three plus years. It's filled with 75 vitamins and minerals. It's got prebiotics, probiotics. This stuff is legit. Go to athleticgreens.com forward slash born. That's athleticgreens.com forward slash born. And with your first purchase, you will also get 20 free travel packs of Athletic Greens. They come in handy like you would not believe. I truly rely on Athletic Greens as my health insurance. I love it, love it, love it. And you should too. Thank you for being here. I'm very happy to be here. Um, so... The idea behind this podcast is pretty simple. You know, it, it's a conversation, um, but at the end of the day, I'm trying to meet with people like you that I believe are extraordinary people that are leaders of an industry that are high, high performers. Even though that word, you know, that that phrase or that term today is, I feel like being overused. Um, meeting with with folks like you to sort of pose this question of whether you think you were or high performers or leaders of industry or just leaders in general were born with the ability to do what they do um, or if it was something that was created or made over time based on hard work and dedication. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you my thoughts after I hear from you. Okay. Um, but uh, Patrick Janelle. Uh, you're, you know, in my mind, um, when I think of personal brand, um, you're the t- pretty much the first guy I think of. I think that you have really figured out um, before really anybody, and, and obviously you used awesome tools before anybody was really using them, like Instagram, to really create a, um, a digital persona of who you are, um, and, and, and obviously, based on what you've been able to do, people have truly received it well and love it and enjoy it and want thank you yeah they want more of it (laughs) i hope so (laughs) including myself um and so you know i don't think that we need to get into the born or made question right away Mm -hmm. um but the podcast is called born or made and the idea is we get we get your story and you tell us your story and uh from that we potentially are able to determine what you think Mm -hmm. about that question because it's an interesting question it is interesting and i my memory and mind goes in so many different directions when I think about what my response to that is. And, uh, you know, as you're talking, as even you just say, uh, I've done a great job of creating a personal brand. I start to think about that and I think, did I, A, is that true? Do I feel that? B, what is the brand that I've created? And C, is it, 
actually what I'm left with is it just feels like the most, uh, like the fullest expression of who I am, this brand that I've created, um, which touches on the way that I like Can to Can we just like, say what the brand is just so we, just so everybody sure, knows? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, it's all kind of under the umbrella of my name, a guy named Patrick. Um, and it exists primarily on Instagram, but also on a website, uh, in a newsletter, in a new YouTube channel, in the ways in which I interact with people in live events, hosting events and things like that. And it's driven by, um, I mean, it's very lifestyle focused. So it's the things that I'm, it's really the things that I'm interested in. Um, food, beverage, hospitality, traveling, style, fashion, um, and, uh, and, and the way that I showcase those things on these various platforms. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, I think ultimately I just, those are all things that I absolutely love and I've always sought a way to showcase my ability to convince other people uh, that that my opinions matter, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, so the brand is really just me saying, I really believe in these things. I love these things so much, and I am going to do everything I can to show other people that I feel that way. Um, Has that always been the sort of motivation and the premise? Well, this is an interesting thing that I don't know if I've ever really talked about before. In terms of like where I sit right now in, in 2019, um, living in New York City, having this persona and people recognizing me for the lifestyle, travel, you know, food and beverage person. Uh, 10 years ago, I was, I was almost 30 and nobody knew who I was. And yet I still feel like I had these, this, this desire to be you know, like noticed and known for these things. I also at the time was living in Los Angeles. I was pursuing acting. I was going into like the like shittiest like student film auditions, just trying anything. And it was so disheartening to walk into the casting room and to not even have a chance to, to tell anybody who I was or to, there was no context for like what I was able to do or deliver. And on the one hand, that had to do with like the acting, like reading the lines and, and showing up for the audition. But it also just had to do with being a human, where you walk into a room and you're just viewed as you know, a sort of specimen. And I think it was really that experience, which I kind of went into my life in Los Angeles with the idea that I just wanted to see how it worked and see what it was all about. Of course, I had like ambition and uh, I've always loved theater and acting, but I, I think more so than wanting to like make it, quote unquote, I was really just interested in figuring out how to do that. Um, but so, can I just stop you for one yeah. second? So one thing that I just want to point out that you've said, so you started out by saying like, a guy named Patrick is the fullest expression mm-hmm. of who you are inside mm-hmm. and, 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 and essentially throwing it out to the universe because you're passionate about the things that you love to do and believe in your core that other people appreciate that, right? right. Yep. And, you're, and, and now you're saying that when you were in LA 10 years ago, you were, you were out there pursuing an acting career, which at the end of the day is the ad, is complete opposite of that, which is essentially 
not being exactly who you are because you have to put on a, an act that you're somebody else. Uh, I don't fully agree with that, but I do think that there's an interesting correlation to um, showcasing one. Uh, let me see. How can I say this? The, the thing that I don't agree with that uh, is that I really the thing that I love about acting is when you can find the most like truth and honesty within you as a human to showcase emotion and a persona uh that is where the the force of really great acting comes from in my perspective and that's when it that's when it's fun like when i can make whatever that whatever that person or whatever that character is feeling or is how they exist when i can make that like a reality within my body and within my sort of like mental state um, that then you've sort of like achieved great acting. So there is an honesty there. What, it's sort of shrouded in this like thing that, that is not you. It, it is maybe not you as a person. Um, however, I think you're right that I mostly was coming away from these experiences feeling like on the one hand, sure, I wasn't getting cast or I wasn't the right fit for the role but more than anything I wasn't being seen as a human I wasn't being seen for like the full potential that I had to offer and that didn't just mean you know getting a part that just meant being like a badass human being with like skill with I was a graphic designer I had visions for throwing events even back then I had I had just driven my Vespa across the country on a road trip by myself as an experience to learn about the world and the, and my own my life and wait a second can we just stop there you drove your Vespa across the country yeah yeah <laughs> I had I had left Colorado I was I was 20 I don't know early 20s I had bought a Vespa in Colorado, knowing that a year from that time I was gonna be in Los Angeles. That was like the goal, that was the dream. But in between that summer of like 2004 and the summer of 2005, I had a year to, you know, traipse around the country on my Vespa. And I did it in like little little spurts here and there, driving out to the East Coast, down to Florida, stayed with friends in Atlanta On highways on the Vespa. On highways on the Vespa. <laughs> and certain times it was, there was this one period yes. that I was, uh, I had to drive straight through the night through Pennsylvania because I had to get to a friend's uh, um, wedding uh, rehearsal. And I was like late. So I literally 24 hours from Indiana to uh, New Jersey. I was on I-80 behind these semi trucks it was like they were it was like three in the morning the only traffic on the interstate were these semi trucks oh and i'm literally on this little it's a, it was a 250 it was like legally technically a motorcycle uh, like the littlest one you could possibly ha- possibly have and i was like drafting behind these semi trucks one to try to stay warm because it was really cold even though it was like like august or something and uh two to try to like just like keep going and i don't know maybe the semi trucks were like pulling me along it was like the most dangerous that thing. is that i mean i look i just rode a motorcycle from los angeles out to um joshua tree mm-hmm. and it was a 798 798 and man like that was like mm-hmm. i can't imagine it on a vespa and a blast it was crazy it was I'm good sure. so you know, here I am in LA with, you know, feeling that like I'm much more of a human than anybody is seeing me as. 
And I really think that this last 10 years of my life has been, I still have this kind of like dream of acting at some point. I'm, I'm going to be like 70 years old and like the, you know, the old grandpa. Me too, by the way. Character actor. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll do a show sometime either. Uh, I really feel like a lot of this, this, uh, the brand and, and my persona and really showcasing everything that I ju- that is just like so important to me is a direct reaction to that. Uh, and not in a strategic way. Um, in a way that is just, um, I would just like, t- I'm totally compelled. And yet at the same time, you know, like all of the things that I do, I love. And so it's also a really like, do you have exciting, like a policy? Cause you know, to I, I gotta say like for me, um, if I'm not interested in something, mm-hmm. I simply, it, you know, being a business person, there's so many different elements to business. There's the creative element, there's the people element, there's the financial element, there's the operational element, the logistics element. There's so many different components and that's why typically small business is so difficult to, to produce and totally. perform and execute because there's so many different things. Yeah, like workers comp Yeah, and like all the fines I got for not getting it properly. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> like to the T, exactly that. And so I find by myself, even though in the beginning of starting any business, you know, you don't have a lot of money and you just got to do it. And so if you're not good at it, it sucks. And so what I've learned over the years is that I'm, I am open to doing anything I have to do. I like mm-hmm. to spend most of my time in areas where I really feel confident and, and, and great in. Um, but the one policy that I have, and I think it's a policy that more people should implement into their lives is I personally believe that negativity and skepticism and pessimism is, is the death of business. I feel like once people start looking at their business in a, this is not going to make it way, it sets, it, it literally like it, you know, like I envision like people holding a sheet and lifting it up and then letting it just fall on top of the whole entire business and cover the business in a negative blanket of hell. Hmm. And that's really how I think about it. I feel like negativity drowns businesses. And so I have a policy where once things begin to feel that way, and it doesn't matter how much money's at stake for me because I, I drown in negativity. Mm-hmm. I, I, I genuinely believe that some people, for whatever reason, can just manage in, in, in dark places, um, but I never feel like great work is done there. Um, and I'm not talking about tough times. I'm right. talking about perspective of tough times. Mm-hmm. So do you have any policies like with, with projects that you've worked on over the years where it's like, this is not looking good. The people that I'm around are, have changed their tune. Um, I got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Well, I, fortunately, I have never had a struggle with negativity per se. So that has never really been an issue for me. I mean, I've been, I've had many tough times where I've been penniless, where I've had to like figure it out, where things haven't gone the way that I wanted them to. Um, and fortunately, it's never sort of like compounded uh, in my mind in that way, but I have had to make some really tough decisions. And I think that, um, the idea of courage is one of the most important things to me because courage can both mean willing to take a risk, willing to take a step, 
willing to believe in yourself, willing to do something even if you don't know you can do it or if somebody else doesn't believe in you. Um, those kind of like that entrepreneurial spirit and courage can also mean, uh, yeah, like cutting the cord. It can mean changing direction. It can mean uh, f making a decision that potentially feels embarrassing when other people know about it. Um, let, like even, even just um, having to let people go that work for you, that's, it's courageous to do that. Totally. And it sucks, but uh, if it's the right decision for that person, for you, for the business, like you definitely have to do it. And I, so I think my answer is making decisions and feeling strongly about them and carrying through with purpose is, is I think one of the most important qualities in business, but also as a creative person um, and as a human. So. We, you know, you mentioned that you were in LA ten years ago, and and I I think if if we get back to just like thinking about the the sort of motivation for me doing this podcast, trying to figure out whether, you know, leaders, um, inspirational people uh, are born with this ability. Um, I'd love to get back to your childhood. I'd, mm -hmm. I'd like to learn. I'd like to hear your story from as early as you can remember and, and, and sort of talk about moments along the way. And if you don't really recall them as moments, potentially I can point them out as like, mm -hmm. hey, let's talk about that for a second. That were stand out to you that led you to believe that you, know, you had the courage to go out and create. So one of the, this is a story that kind of sticks out in my mind. It's a, it's a kind of cute story. Um, I think that to me illustrates one of the one of the kind of primary endeavors that people know me for now and how it sort of manifested like very early on i remember um to be specific my parents were part of amway do you know what that is it's like a kind of kind of pyramid scheme thing it's like a mary Kay, but like in a much like more product there were these magazines that my parents would get once a month and you'd see like the people who'd become like multimillionaires selling you know tons of shit through amway and um i remember i would like take these magazines and i would like cut out the photos of the people featured in there i wasn't making a vision board that wasn't important to me but i would literally i well there was this one specific moment i think my cousin was around the time my cousin amy and um i told her that we were going to host a party and that we had lots of guests coming to town. And I cut out all of the photos from this magazine and I pasted, or like taped them up next to the doorways around the house, uh, the bedroom doorways and in the basement. And that was where all of these guests were staying. And then we had to make food for them. And the food that we were making was a cake. So I was probably, I must have been, I don't know, like seven maybe. Mm -hmm. um, and who knows where this idea even came to me, but I, the idea of hosting people and creating an experience, honestly, that these people wanted, want, that these people wanted to attend, unbeknownst to them. <laughs> the millionaires. <laughs> the millionaires from Ohio. Uh, I grew up in Colorado, so this is in Fort Collins, Colorado. Um, and then, uh, and then I don't remember actually making the cake, but I remember running the dishwasher later, and I put way too much 
uh, detergent, and there was literally suds coming out. Like a cartoon. It was literally like a cartoon. It was like covering the entire floor. I didn't even know that like was possible. Um, Pippi Longstock. Yeah, ex exactly. Oh my gosh, I totally forgot about that movie. That's exactly what they did. Um, and then cut to years later, um, I was, uh, do, you, do you know 4-H? Were you ever, you're a city boy. I'm a city boy. Yeah, you grew up in New York, right? Manhattan. Yeah. Um, so you wouldn't know 4-H. 4-H is like, is like the um, head, heart, hands, and health. Um, it's, the, it's a club that is primarily like for, or at least started in agricultural circles. When you go to like a state or county fair, any of the kids that are like showing their prize sheep or they're like- They're 4-Hers. They're 4-Hers. It's all part of that program. But for us, like not quite country folk, I grew up in you know, a small city. We had 4-H clubs where you could do other things like photography and model rocketry, and I chose cake decorating. <laughs> in addition, in addition, in addition to photography, actually, and model rocketry, just because my older brother did it. Um, yeah, so I studied cake decorating as like a nine-year-old in 4-H, and for the next four, no, I mean, I don't know how long I did it in 4-H, and I continued making like making and decorating cakes until I like graduated high school. By the time I was in high school, I was making uh, wedding cakes for so friends. I, so that, so that, like that, that, that. I'm just pause it right here. So sorry, but I'm oh, not yeah. getting a good. I need to get better audio from you, and I just okay. made it better with the thing. Sorry, guys. That's, That's all right. Thank you. How's that? That's better. Okay, cool. Um, so that right there, that moment that you just described. So you, so at six years old, you created a dinner party with cake, mm -hmm. um, based <laughs> I on. D I don't know if the cake ever happened at that point, but yeah, that was the idea. The vision was there. <laughs> the vision was the definitely vision was there. there. And then you chose cake decorating at nine, and you baked cakes until you graduated high school. So. I think that that moment is a really interesting moment to talk about because, you know, I, I mean, you can also say like, oh, you know, a, a kid plays sports at, you know, you know, parents will put some, you know, their kids into soccer and maybe they play soccer through high school. Um, but and maybe they fall in love with soccer. Who knows? Right. Mm -hmm. Most kids don't. Right. Most kids, maybe they play, maybe they play sports. Maybe they don't. I played soccer in high school. Yeah. And I, you know, it's fine. I enjoy it, but it's not something I fell in love with more than that. Yeah. Right. So like something like that, that comes, um, from the creative mind, right? It comes from a, um, it comes from a place that's almost hard to describe, mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, uh, and, and, and an example for me, creating a business like I come up with names for businesses very quickly mm -hmm. uh, and it's not and, and I don't know where it comes from but I've been known to come up with business names um, and the meatball shop is obviously very easy right mm -hmm. like you know we had a bunch of different names for the meatball shop but uh, you know it's just something that comes naturally did you name me. the meatball shop was it was name? sort of a it was a sort group of a, decision it was a group decision okay. um, but like Seymour's and you know Creatures of Habit and like a couple of other businesses that I've created over the years, sort of these names are sort of came out of nowhere um, and they all have meaning. Mm -hmm. But for the cake thing, it's something that came creatively to you and you locked in and you did it. Right. And I think that's unique. I don't think that that is, I don't, I just don't believe that that is something that your parents or. It was fully my, it was fully 100% my decision. Like, I don't think that uh, my mom was like, you know, uh, expressing her 
un un express talents through me by putting me in like cake decorating sheet no my parents were very um invested in anything that i decided to do another example i was um the first play that i ever did i was pr i was probably nine or so there i would i would religiously look through the local paper the entertainment of the fort collins colorado and newspaper and there would be listings occasionally, every once in a while for like a theater audition. Well, and especially occasionally for kids. And there was an audition notice for The Sound of Music. And I was, I was a fan. Uh, I had watched plenty of musicals growing up. We had a lot of tapes of Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals. Uh, and so I asked my mom if she would take me to the audition, um, fully of my own accord. She took me, this was the, like the local dinner theater, she took me to the audition. I remember sitting in the car um, with my mom outside the theater and I was bawling. I was so scared. Uh, I didn't know what, I, what was gonna happen. My mom was like, we don't have to go in, it's totally fine. You can do what you want. But somehow I mustered up the courage to go in and do the audition. Uh, and I landed a role. And so for the summer of my nine-year-old life, I was playing Kurt in The Sound of Music um, without like an, like an ounce of, I had never done anything before. Um, and I was scared to do it, but I really wanted to. Uh, and also this idea that it was definitely of like my own volition. Um, and yeah, well, I, I, I guess I was born with that because it, it didn't come from anywhere else, you know? So that so so I mean I think that that's just such a there's such a glaring those two examples in my opinion are glaring examples of why this question is so pertinent um, because I believe and I know it's sort of like it lacks inspiration for people that are out there that are like I want to be an entrepreneur or I want to be a creative I want to be an artist of some sort and and I don't think that it's fair to say that it's impossible because I feel like there are certain people that can work their ass off harder than anybody else and get there but I but I I truly believe that there are there are people that are just born with an ability mm -hmm. that they can't really put a finger on that motivates them to want to go and get it and they get it and they do it and they have this like almost fearless like once you succeed in a few things there becomes this fearless sort of drive mm -hmm. to just try the question i have for you is um you you've told me before you just mentioned um your own kind of uh you the way that you interact with things that you love that you just do it you know like full-heartedly um and you mentioned uh, like one of the things at one point, drugs and alcohol. Uh, and I know you're sober and you have been for a very long time. Yeah. But I think that's a really interesting example of sometimes the things that we're like naturally inclined to do are not always the things that are going to help us in what we're, what we're pursuing. 100%. And so, I'm I'm just interested also in this question of like okay maybe maybe we're born with like X but what what is it that exists within X or maybe Y is a byproduct of X that we need to sort of like control or move past or that becomes like a hurdle or, or an obstacle and 
part of that question too is you know people who maybe they're not necessarily born with like that intense passion that you are um there's something else in their life that they're born with that allows them to do something but they need to uh their the thing that they struggle with is the thing that makes it so easy for you you know there's this sort of like counterbalance of forces in our lives that some things come really naturally but the byproduct of that means that there are certain things that we really have to like work hard totally is there are there things that in your life you have felt like you need to i mean we named one obviously but in order to succeed that you have to you have to figure some 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 shit out or you have to um something that you don't feel like you're naturally gifted at sure that you have to figure out yeah i mean look you know well i i i think uh because i've obviously done a lot of thinking on this topic i believe that um typically people that get to the top of their game have an obsessive addictive um compulsion situation going on I, i believe that you know, I, I wake up in the morning, typically, very early, um, and can't wait, like literally can't wait to get to the gym to work out, and then I can't wait, like I'm like f- like frothing to like check my emails and make sure that there's nothing new that I've got to focus on um, because it's exciting for me. Mm-hmm. So the thrill and the excitement of life in general for things that I like, I, I literally, I can't wait to do. Um, but what I know about myself too is that I am a great starter, like a really great starter. That's what I think. I think I'm, I really enjoy the, the, the creative building process of things. Um, I don't personally love and or am good at closing the door and anything finishing it Mm -hmm. so i like to bring things to life and make them feel really good and pray that there's enough great people around me that are good (laughs) at executing long term Mm -hmm. Um, and that's an area that i know i could be better at and i know that i've struggled with Um, this i'm a great starter i'm Mm -hmm. not a great finisher Mm -hmm. and so i think that you know um the Harvard Business School grads are really great finishers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they're really great executors and finishers and day-to-day operators. Um, I am certainly the like I am like a like a down and dirty roll up my sleeves, get the one in the trenches. Yeah, get it done operations person. Like I think about life and and systems and success, um, but only to a certain point. And so that is definitely I I don't know if that's a fault. I don't know if that's a um, you know, I, I mean, it's certainly something that I, I could be better at, right? Like I could definitely be better at thinking about what does years three, four, and five look right. like? Oh, I'm the same way. Like I, the idea, the idea of like strategy and like long-term planning for me are really, they're just not interesting <laughs> as much as they should be, um, you know, because I care about the rest of my life. Um, but it's much more exciting for me to kind of take what's in the moment and uh, work with that um, and be able to do something right now. But you know what I think is really incredible about that? So you and I are similar that way. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the people that I tend to, uh, tend to uh, find some sort of an attraction towards or a gravitation towards um, tend to be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, because... Uh, you know, I also believe that 
there are people that think the complete opposite of us that that are like I have zero interest in creativity I have zero interest in starting something from the ground up I do not want to take a risk I do not want to do that you give me a fully baked idea and I will absolutely crush it on the logistics and operations and figure out how to make it great long term but the beginning phase of things people don't you know just like you and I are like we'd like to create things and start things and build something awesome and then potentially hope to have a team strong enough around us to help us take it to the next level. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, there's so many areas in my life where like I need work, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, well, so I many. mean, we all do for sure. Totally, but, but I, you know, I, I strongly believe that people think with two different sides of the, of the brain, you know, mm -hmm. there's the creative side of the brain and there's the operational side of the brain. Well, and it's also, I, I kind of think about it uh, for me as, one of the biggest things for me in terms of like thinking differently than many other people is thinking as the kind of like performer, the creator, the, you know, the, the person that gives the experience. Um, you have a restaurant, you need hundreds, thousands of people to want to come to the restaurant. And um, not that those two things, having it and att attending are mutually exclusive, but in my case, I am very much less interested in uh, watching watching a TV show as opposed to like at one point you know wanting to be on it or consuming content rather than creating it. I'm much more I'm the person that I, I want to create these things and I'm so grateful that there are other people who want to consume and who want to be an audience. I love hosting an event and pulling it all together, I'm much less interested in attending an event. I love, I love <laughs> orchestrating too. and I love being there and I, have, I love having a job to do while I'm there. That to me is much more interesting than you know, going to a mingling. nice event and mingling for sure. Um, so a guy named Patrick. Mm -hmm. So you were in LA 10 years ago on an acting pursuit and you make your way to New York. Yeah, there was a short interstitial in uh, Frankfurt, Germany, between those two points. But tell me how you <laughs> tell me how you got. Where did where did your Instagram fame come from? Uh, so I joined Instagram in 2012, right after I moved from Frankfurt to New York, and I had friends who were on the platform. It was just a purely social tool. Um, I wanted to see what my friends were posting. I was also new in the city. I didn't know many people. It was an outlet for meeting people. It was an outlet for showcasing my own kind of like creative vision of the world, posting for, I very early on took interest in how to use the platform creatively and not just sort of like as a doc, as like a pure documentation Diary. for my friends. Yeah. Uh, and, and to me, it was always a combination of those two. How can, I, how can I sort of like use this as a slice of life documentation, but in a way that's like interesting, beautiful, using my iPhone to capture an image that su is surprising to people. And I think because I was showing a lot of New York images, I was on the platform all the time, making friends, making friends that then I would later go out and shoot with around the city. Um, and at the time I was, when I moved to New York, I got a job at Bon Appetit magazine in the art department. So I was sort of like connected to their infrastructure. And 
I think it was just kind of like the perfect storm of all of those things, right place, right time. I was in touch with, you know, I was surrounded by really great people. Uh, really, I was excited and invested in this creative platform where people can see the things I'm doing. And I started growing a following um, that I would say within two years, 2012, 2014, I'd probably reached about 80,000. And um, it was then that- So, but real quick, so, so those, that's early days Instagrams. Right. Um, and, and that's a pretty high, just in general, in the grand scheme of things in life, right? right. Like that's yeah, like 80,000 80, sure. is a big number for the world, right? Right. I mean, most people, if they hit a thousand, they're like fired up. So like, do you have, do you, can you point to a few things that helped you grow that following? I think that people, when people realized that I worked at Bon Appetit magazine, because I would show things in the office, I would show like a tasting we were doing or something like that. That was interesting to people. Bon Appetit never, uh, publicized my account or promoted my account. People just sort of like figured that out. Um, it was also when Instagram was really just like really starting to grow. It had maybe been around for like a year or two years. Uh, so there were people were really actively looking for pe people to follow. Um, there was a point early on where Instagram made me a suggested user, something that they did in their early days uh, where there were, it was maybe for like a couple of weeks I was. I would be a, one of a list of people that, for new users, they would say, "Here's an interesting account to follow." That that probably accounts for like two thousand to twenty-two thousand in terms of my growth. But then from twenty-two thousand, it was being part of Bon Appetit. I think probably during that time there were some pieces, some like press pieces that I was included in, like a roundup of. Uh, at that time, people really knew me as a food Instagrammer. So like top five food Instagrammer to follow or like a top five uh, New York City Instagrammer to follow. So definitely like traditional press helped a good bit. Mm. Um, and then honestly just being like really active, like me following people and engaging really regularly. All of those things really contributed to that. And so, so you're at 80,000 about two years in and you start to realize that this is an opportunity to monetize. Well, at that point, I had I had gotten my first uh, like brand reach out to me and say, well, the very I think the first brand that reached out to me in any capacity um, was Barber Clothing, um, the British brand, and I just did. They sent me like a bag and a jacket and a shirt, and we I made a video with this um, this guy Daniela Loria, who does really amazing like iPhone video work, and um, that was it was like unpaid, but I was like, oh, this is cool. I get. You know, I get a few free products and, and also get to like create in a new way with somebody else. It was a very fun campaign. And then there was a, and then there was a Capital One opportunity that was like, I think it was in collaboration with Travel and Leisure. And uh, they basically were like, we love your photos, take more like that, like Pizza at Grimaldi's, the picture in Central Park, the top of the rock, things that I was kind of documenting already. And we want to use those essentially as social media ads, and then we're going to pay you for it. And I was like, awesome, let's do that. Uh, I think that was my first paid campaign. And, um, and, it, and yeah, so I just realized that this was, there was some opportunity there. But it was also at the same time that I was starting Spring Street Social Society, which um, is a company that I co-founded and ran for five or six years. And at that point, I was putting so much time into that 
that my job at Bon Appetit, um, I just needed more time to work on Spring Street. So with this idea that Instagram might be a way to like pay some bills, I have this other creative project that I want to invest in. Um, I just decided to leave. Well, at first I tried to cut my hours back and they were like, no go. So I was like, all right, well, I'm just gonna <laughs> take the leap and jump. Uh, and then it was shortly after that that I was approached by the CFDA, the Council of Fashion Designers of America, like the American uh, Fashion uh, Institute. They, uh, they nominated me for Fashion Instagrammer of the Year along with a handful of other people. And your account went from? Well, it, I had a period of two weeks where I was paired with the designer Tom Brown and each person was paired with a different designer and I had two weeks to kind of make what I would of that partnership and uh, over the next two weeks I basically what I decided to do was uh, talk about uh, talk with their team about all the events that I was doing over the next couple of weeks my Memorial Day barbecue my trip to California my my like trip to the beach and it incorporate Tom Brown looks into all of those things as well as do some sort of social media shoots with their team uh, basically then it was a contest to see which of the accounts could get the most engagement so I won after two weeks and I won that award and it was after that 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 my following really skyrocketed because I uh, there was just like an incredible amount of press surrounding that. So I think I probably went from like a hundred thousand to like two hundred and fifty thousand in like three months or something. I don't know, six months. It was very yeah. Oh my it was gosh. pretty crazy. That's insane. Um, so then I kind of had shifted from just being food to being style, and now a lot of people see me as a travel person. But you know, I've always just kind of been documenting everything that I do. I mean, I, I kind of, when I, when I think of your, your feed and I love your feed, um, it, it's just like, I mean, almost everything is taken on your iPhone now. Uh, it, at the beginning, up until maybe two years ago, everything was now it's a mix. Uh, sometimes I work with, I have a photographer, Sam, that I work with quite a bit. Sometimes it's photos that he's taken. Sometimes it's photos I take on my iPhone. Uh, it's yeah, it's a total mix now. I mean, I just think of your of your of your feed as an all-encompassing. I would just say, umbrella lifestyle, just mm -hmm. lifestyle in general. It's gender neutral. It is like good feeling, food, fitness, wellness, style, and fashion. I mean, travel. Well, the thing, the thing is, the reason that I approach my personal brand that way is because every element that you just mentioned, to me, is an important component to a well-lived life. Sure, I love, uh, I love looking great and I love style, but I don't love that at the expense of uh, caring about like the food that I eat. Some people are just very interested in a specific thing. I'm just interested in having a really well-lived, beautiful life. And awesome so each, life. each of these things are equally as important. High five and for that. Right? So yeah, so I, I pay attention to all of I'm it. just interested in having a really awesome life. <laughs> yeah. um, all right, what is, um, I got a few questions because okay. I think f some fun questions. Um, place that you've traveled more than once that when you think of travel, you always go to? Uh, Big Sur. I love Big Sur. I'm, and the Like globally Big Sur is, yeah, your, is your spot. Yeah, I have an affinity for like domestic American travel. Um, I think the country is phenomenal. Um, 
sure you can get some similar landscape in like you know like coast of Italy or something um, or places I've never been South Africa but it's to me it's a place of comfort and adventure at the same time um, I have an affinity for like the American West and the West Coast um, it's just stunning it's beautiful I've had some of the most amazing times like road trips by myself driving up the PCH kind of like a moment of self-discovery and a moment of discovery of like the world. Um, I, I tend to travel all like, I'm more likely to travel to a new place than revisit a place that I've been. Mm-hmm. But to answer that question, that's what I always Big think so. of. Yeah, for me, it's Barcelona. Mm. I love Barcelona. It's I a, think Barcelona. It's a fun city. I've been there four times. It's just, and I love Barceloneta, mm-hmm. the little residential community on the water there. Um, I think it's incredible. Um, EI or IQ? Wait, what's EI? Emotional, Emotional intelligence. intelligence. Yeah. Um, oh, just just like in general? Uh, EI. EI. Yeah. Agreed. Um, is there a book that you recommend? Not necessarily your favorite book, but when people ask you about, hey, Patrick, is there a book that you that you would recommend to read just in general? Is there a book that you think of? Um, I'll, I'll tell you the book that I f- feel like had the biggest impact on me ever. Um, it feels a little bit weird to say because it's usually a book. It's a book that people usually read in like uh, like elementary school or primary school or maybe middle school. I never did. I had never heard of it until I was like in my 20s. Um, it's called Things Fall Apart. Mm-hmm. Um, did you read it? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you're <laughs> in, like, in, like, in like in junior high. Yeah, in junior high. Um, this was at a point in my life where I was coming to the coming to grips with my own relationship with religion and with the world Um, and the book you know it's a an African author um, who sort of writes about you know Western imperialism and writes about you know customs and and like personal history and it was really the first time that I allowed myself to truly understand what the experience of a person with whom I had nothing in common with meant to me as an individual and could shape and impact my own worldview. Mm. Um, the, th- the thing that specifically changed in me is that I no longer felt that, uh, that my views of religion were right. It suddenly, for some reason, the way that the, the way that this sort of like storytelling and custom and religion of the native people in that book were presented as a sort of uh, a lifeline for those who believed and experienced those uh, those specifics and histories was was so similar to the way I had experienced life and culture and religion in my own world, um, and it suddenly made me realize uh, just how uh, how anything that I believed so strongly was no different than the things that other people believe so strongly, and yet the, all of these things sort of exist in contradiction together. It was it was eye opening for me. Open. Yeah. Um, is there a is there an artist, uh, music artist that you listen to when you are trying to relax? Mm, trying to relax. I say the the yeah the artist that I go to when I want just like vibes and like chill, um, you know, Active Child. No, 
Uh, Active Child probably came on the scene maybe about like eight, seven, I don't know, six, seven, eight years ago. It's very kind of like um, indie, like mellow. I'm very bad at like describing a style of music. Um, It's, there's a kind of like ethereal quality to the vocals um, while being, I don't know, it also just feels like it's very intelligent too. Active child. Active child. All right, that's a good one. Um, I love learning new things. Um, Artists that you listen to at the gym? Well, first of all, I don't usually wear headphones when I'm at the gym. Okay, you're one of those. Well, I will say also, I tend to, I'm much more comfortable taking classes than I am working out on my own. Okay. Um, I get a little intimidated going to, to the gym, even though I still, I feel like that's one of those things that I've sort of carried with me an insecurity that I had maybe like in high school or middle school that I still weirdly do. Um, so I will listen to whatever the instructor is playing. Got it. And I did, there was like a specific moment. I, I feel like when I first moved to New York, when, uh, when I was, when it was like all, it was like all like Rihanna, Beyonce, which it still kind of is still, but there was like a specific era, like early 2010s that I feel like if I had to go back to gym, like if I chose my own, it would be like that. Got it. Yeah. Um, what, what do you listen to when you're at the gym? Um, I've been on, so I grew up in New York City in the 90s uh-huh. and Wu-Tang yeah. was like pretty much that genre of hip hop. I'm a big hip hop dude. That genre of hip hop shaped my childhood, mm-hmm. right? I'm not a gangster and I'm not a thug by any means, but that, that um, I just love that music and when I say I shaped my childhood I just when I hear that music it brings me back to a place of all my friends hanging out downtown in Central Park wherever listening to that music and the Wu-Tang documentary dropped on on Showtime and -hmm. they brought the whole entire Wu-Tang clan together again and there's a lot of them there's like nine of them Um, and they did this amazing series on Wu-Tang and I just I like forgot about Wu-Tang so recently I've been listening to like nonstop Wu-Tang. Okay. Um, but I like hip hop in the gym. So I love Future. I like Logic. Um, I definitely would be more pop music than hip hop. Hip hop has never been my like go-to. Never been your thing. Yeah. Um, is there uh, an item that you've had for over 10 years? Um, so nothing new. Something okay. that, that you've had for over 10 years that you use regularly. It doesn't have to be every day, but something that you use regularly in any way. Whether you look at it, you use it actually technically, you wear it, whatever it is, that you've had for over 10 years that you would be super bummed out if you've lost mm. and you try to potentially replace it. Oh, wow. Um, as I'm thinking, I will tell you, there are still cake pans in my kitchen currently that I owned when I was making cakes when I was in high school. I do not use those regularly. I don't know when the last time that I baked a cake was, and it wouldn't be like the worst thing in the world if they disappeared, but they still exist in my, in my kitchen. Um, yeah, what, what, do I, what do I have? I mean, the, the reason why I ask this question is because I feel like things that you've had for a long time mm-hmm. are actually monumental mm-hmm. and are actually, you know, like you, you can go to the store and buy something and think it's incredible and then have it for three weeks and be like, meh, doesn't really, I'm not really jiving with it. Um, there, there are certain things in my life that I've had for a very long period of time 
that, um, you know, if I've, if I lost it, I'd be truly bummed out and like potentially wouldn't be able to get it again. Um, but would certainly try. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like, you know, for me, it's this St. Christopher here that like, I would be totally, I would be really upset because I, it's, it's a St. Christopher that, you know, like when it was given to me, it was like, you know, this, wear this everywhere you go, specifically when you travel, cause you'll be protected. <laughs> you know what I mean? And well, I'm like, okay. Yeah. You know? And I wear it everywhere I go. I can't, it's on me all the time. It's not something I think about on a regular basis, but had I lost this thing, yeah, I'd be so bummed. It would be, it would be awful. I don't, to be honest, I don't know if there's something, uh, that I have that kind of fits, fits that bill. I've done a lot that I feel like I go through periods where like I, there are like certain things that I've been holding on to for a long time and then I just let them go. They're just probably last year. I had a chair that I, my ex-boyfriend had found on the streets of Los Angeles and brought it back to our apartments. This is over 10 years ago. And I was like, what the fuck is this chair? It's so ugly. Why did you bring it back? And he said to me, he was like, I thought you could make something beautiful with it, which is like, so sweet honestly i was very like touched that he thought that and i was like all right well my work's cut out for me (laughs) um so i had like i sanded it down and i had this like weird um this i don't know the 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 style was really weird and kind of like ornate in a weird way Uh, it was very uncomfortable i sanded it down i painted it all black i took it with me to germany that boyfriend and i moved to germany together and then i brought it back with me to new york when i moved here uh, and I had it in an old apartment and I had it in my current apartment and it was just last year that I decided, okay, I think I'm ready to like, let this chair go. Um, did you just put it out on the street? I'm sure I did. I'm sure. And I hope it has a beautiful home where somebody else is making something beautiful out of it yet again. <laughs> um, number one, highest performing piece of content on Instagram for you? Ooh, I think it's either, uh, I did know this, but now I'm trying to remember. I think it's might be me in my apartment. Um, there's like a certain, uh, my apartment is beautiful. If I do say so myself, it's very small. It's a little one bedroom in Soho. And I have this whole uh, wall that have, has like my artwork, kind of like a gallery wall. Um, and the photo is me on a Saturday morning, my legs up in my like loungewear, having a coffee and you like, like the sun is pouring in and you like see the wall kind of next to me. Um, and I think that's my, my like best performing piece of content ever. And if it's not that, then it would be something like a beautiful, like a really extra beautiful, like, um, my old backyard, it was like filled with flowers or like an interior of a restaurant that's just kind of like over the top, like gorgeous. It tend the content for me that that will like reach that pinnacle tends to be like an environment, a scene that feels just you know like transport like trans- yeah exactly it transports the viewer. Yeah. Um, this is a tough one. Okay. Last meal. Hit me. Ooh, last meal. Uh. This is okay. I. I'm, I don't know if I can answer that question, but what I will say <laughs> is I care so much about food and I think about every single meal that I'm eating and what I want. And yet 
the idea of a last meal is not important to me. I don't think about, because f the reason that food is so important to me is we have, it can be so incredible, food can be so incredible, and we have multiple times every day to experience that like incredible opportunity. And so like I'm much more interested in what I'm eating like every day or like tonight than what my last meal is. I but okay so if i'm actually going to answer your meal <laughs> it would probably be some, like honestly nothing makes me happier than like a california style fresh produce like you know like the a grilled something that's like perfectly in season with lots of herbs on top lemon lemon zest and just like the bounty of the earth something in that world mm. uh would pro is probably like my favorite thing i had one of those meals last night oh really where I went to an event uh, at the North Brooklyn Farms, oh, and cool. Missy Robbins was cooking. Oh, amazing! That's, a, that's just, exactly where you're gonna get that meal. Oh my gosh, it was so good. It was that's so. I mean, it was just like everything was like prime and just like perfect spring vegetables. Mm. Just you know, pesto, lemon zest. You know, spring is my favorite time to eat food. Me too. Yeah, I mean, I I like fall too. Fall can be amazing. Lots of like heartier roasted root vegetables yeah. etc like and like yeah like meat and roasts and whatnot but i'll take i'll take spring any day um can you recall the best piece of advice you've ever been given hmm. uh this is like a little cheesy and it was not a person that gave me the advice but i remember this card that i bought when i was in high school uh that said do something every day that scares you i like it and um I tend to be fearless because I am fucking afraid of things. And it was early on in my life when I decided that the only way that I was not going to be afraid, whether it's afraid of heights or afraid of being social or of being awkward, the only way was if I confronted it full on and made a conscious decision that I was going to confront that and overcome it. Um, so the idea of doing something that scares me every day um, is is a is a powerful thing for me. Patrick, do you believe that high performers are born with an innate ability to get to where they are? Do you think that they were made over time? I definitely think it's a mix, but I think that there's there there has to be something innate in people to to even get them to the point where they're willing to, to pursue uh, something bigger than themselves. Born. <laughs> You're a borner. I'm a, I'm a borner, for You're sure. A borner. Dude, I had so much fun talking, man. I, I had fun, too. Thank you for having me on. Of I course. I appreciate it. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like I, I feel like these conversations are, you know, there's, 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 there's awesome things for the listener to, to take with them, and, and there's awesome story. And um, I got to say, like, one of my – I believe the passion that um, at, at the sort of core of, of who I am, the human connection and the human engagement and the ability to smile with other people is really what drives me. And um, – sitting down with guys like you and I was like from the moment we've met I always just there was something about you that I just thought was awesome and what you do is awesome and I mean I don't know anybody that could think uh, um, 
I mean, I think anybody that knows you or is, who's, who's done anything with you just walks away with a big smile on their face. So, dude. Thank you. I really it's, appreciate uh, it. You inspire me, too, Mike. It's, it's always been a pleasure. I agree. From the moment I met you, I was inspired by you. So, Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Patrick Janelle. <laughs> guy named Patrick. Where can people find you? Uh, people can find me on my Instagram, a guy named Patrick, on my newly launched YouTube channel, which is youtube.com, a guy named Patrick, and uh, at my website, agnp.co. agnp.co. Um, do you want to just tell us anything that you're working on real quick before we finish up? Uh, the thing I'm most excited about right now is this, is this YouTube channel. I'm, uh, I'm going into spaces of creative people and they and getting my hands dirty showing they're showing me how they do the things they do so um whether it's going to the farmer's market with carla lolly music from bon appetit or going to the flower market with um the putnam and putnam flower duo um and many many more to come uh it's the thing that i'm most excited about because i get to i get i finally get to be on camera like i always wanted <laughs> i'm just doing it myself there it is dude. Yeah. that's it Thank you so much. Yeah, man. thanks, Mike. Good times.